اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ان دا نیم آف اللہ دا موسٹ گریشیس ایور میسفو السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپون یو اولڈ اے لسنرز ہیئر فرام دا وائس آف اسلام اسٹوڈیو ایٹ دا بیتل فتو ماسک دا ہاؤس آف وکٹریز دا لارجسٹ ماسک ان ویسٹرن یوروپ We hope you're having a good day and your, the start to your day is good and you, you enjoy today's show as we've got a you know, very interesting show lined up for you guys today. As always, you know, in the beginning of the show, we discuss the weather and the news. Um, so in terms of the weather today, scattered showers will edge into North Sea coastal areas at times. Some wintry in North Scotland, drier and brighter elsewhere with just a few showers along Western coasts. A chilly day. Tonight, snow and sleet um, showers will continue in Scotland. Further scattered showers will edge along western and eastern coasts, but it will remain dry and largely clear elsewhere. A cold night. Tomorrow, the cold uh, northerly flow um, continues, bringing further wintry showers even to lower levels in northern Scotland. And in places along western coasts, elsewhere should remain drier and clearer. The outlook for Friday to Sunday is that we'll be seeing winds shifting northwesterly to bring a few wintry showers to northern and western parts of the UK. Drier elsewhere, but the odd showers in place. Sunday will see wintry showers largely confined to far north. The west will see variable cloud and the east will remain largely bright, staying cold throughout the period. So, um, you know, uh, everyone must be aware Like, you know, the weather is, you know, just uh, is shifted and uh, the seasons have changed. You know, winter has, uh, is, winter is no longer coming. Winter has already arrived. Um, and, you know, the, the shift in the weather, you know, everyone needs to take precautions because, um, you know, as we mentioned previously on our shows as well, last week's uh, Wednesday show, today being Wednesday the 7th of December 2022, the last, uh, you know, this is the last month of this year as well. We're heading in, we have already headed into winter and, um, you know, the weather has uh, drastically changed and everyone just, you know, needs to wear their scarves, wear their, you know, their their proper, like, um, you know, winter padded jackets and you just need to be ready for, you know, this weather because um, if you're not careful, then, you know, you, you will catch a cold, you will catch the flu and uh, then you're not going to have a good time, you're going to have to take time off work. So you won't have a good experience either. But, you know, there's still many, many things to look forward to. And in uh, other news, uh, you know, in uh, the news of uh, sports, the World Cup is going on in uh, Qatar, as, um, you know, a lot of, uh, hopefully, majority of the world knows as well. And uh, yesterday, the the match between, um, you know, between Morocco and Spain, you know, it was a very... Very, uh, very interesting. Morocco played, you know, they played splendidly in defense. Uh, they, their defense was just on point throughout the entire game. And, you know, props to them. Uh, they, they did really well and they won in the penalties uh, 3-0 against Spain, which was, uh, you know, which is amazing for, for Morocco because they've, they've never come this far. They've never gotten to the quarterfinal before. And, um, you know, a lot of people are saying Hakimi, he, he played really well. He played amazing. But, you know, I think personally, in my opinion, the man of the match was the actual goalkeeper because he played really well and he saved the penalties. He saved a lot of shots. And um, the other game that was held was between Portugal and um, Switzerland. And, you know, the outcome of that was 
let's be honest, it was uh, kind of, uh, you know, we, we basically knew where that was headed. But, you know, 6-1, Portugal winning 6-1, that's still a big thing. That's uh, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a big goal difference. But you know, let's see. Let's see what happens in the quarterfinals now. The, the the big game to look forward to is this Saturday, England versus France. That will be the real big one. Hopefully, it's coming home. Uh, but you know, it is looking quite difficult. France is such an amazing team, and they have a, a really good lineup. And um, so, it's, it's going to be quite difficult. It's going to be an uphill battle. But you know. Uh, all we can do is uh, pray at this point, but hopefully it's coming home. In other news, uh, China China has rolled out. Uh, you know, um, they've uh, like they've gone back to strict COVID rules, even after protests, because um, you know, um, like uh, they they also say they no longer need to show proof of uh, tests for most venues although PCR test is needed for schools and hospitals and um, you know the main reason being that um, that there's been there's been excuse me uh, there's been another big wave uh, across the country uh, over 30,000 each day so you know the COVID is still around we keep on telling our listeners as well that you know you need to take precautions just you know just the little things that just just wear a face mask in public because it's not just for your safety not for your health but for the safety and health of others and that's what you know we've uh, concluded to many times that your rights end when the rights of others start so you need to really be careful in public uh, and just you know um just generally just uh, do a bit of social distancing, you know, use uh, hand gel, you know, every now and then and just wear a face mask. You know, wearing a face mask can, you know, lower the risks of um, spreading the infection by by quite a bit. And that's that's what the advice is, basically, in regards to this. And um, in, in terms of uh, the weather in our country, the UK, um BBC reports that um, the people of UK are urged to heat main rooms as cold snap begins. You know, overnight lows of minus 10 are predicted in northern Scotland with snow and ice warnings there in Wales, Northern Ireland and the East Coast. It's, it's not that cold here yet, but, you know, even then it's, it's, it's going to get pretty cold. It's going to go into the, it's going to, the temperature will drop into the negative. And, uh, you know, the rise... Of the, the the rise of living cost, everyone's got concerns with that. So we're gonna have to do something about that. And you know, we, like um, a lot of people can't even afford to heat their homes. So you know, the government really needs to look into this and you know do, do something about it. Uh, so, dear listeners, we'll be taking a very short break before we delve into our first segment of the morning which is going to be about a 1.1 million minority report on loneliness and ageing. Do join me after a very short break. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. In a dream, I saw an angel seated on an elevated platform in the guise of a boy. In his hand, he was holding a pure loaf of bread, which was very bright. He gave it to me and said, This is for you and the dervishes who are with you. I saw this dream at a time when I was not at all known, nor had I put forth any claim, nor was there any group of dervishes with me. But now I have a large jamaat of people who have voluntarily chosen to put their faith above the world, and have thus reduced themselves 
to the position of dervishes. Having migrated from their homes and having separated themselves from their relatives and friends, they have taken up permanent abode near me. I have interpreted the loaf of bread as meaning that God himself will provide for me and for my followers and that we will not be rendered anxious on account of lack of provision. This has been the case over a long number of years. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. Bismillah rahman rahim in the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show Day, listeners. We'll be diving straight into our first segment of the morning, 1.1 million minority report on loneliness and ageing. Brunel University London and the University of Surrey are undertaking a novel 1.1 million government-funded study into the social side of ageing. People with disabilities and from minority ethnic and LGBTQ plus communities are the focus. Researchers will follow the footsteps of these people as they age with 40 onwards, tracking life events such as getting married, divorced, having children and losing a loved one. Uh, the aim of the study is to provide service for people who are aging and make sure that these services are more specifically tailored to people from all sorts of backgrounds and experiences. The study will also be used as a mean to better understand the diversity of aging population and be able to provide them with inclusive experience. I'm delighted to say that we do have online with us our first guest of the morning for this section. We will be speaking to uh, Vinal uh, Karaina, uh, who is a research manager at Age UK. Good morning, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Vinal. Good morning. Uh, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Apologies if I didn't. Just to begin with, could you please talk about Age UK and what it aims to do? Of course. So HUK exists to help older people where they need us most. Um, and so what we do is we aim to provide um, older people support directly, um, but also campaign for them, ensuring their voices are heard. So we provide um, support and services through our, nas- our national level, through our telephone befriending service, our advice line. Um, but we also have a local network of 125 local HUKs who run a variety of services tailored to the needs of their local community. Yes, uh, thank you very much. And could you also tell us how does Age UK help to combat loneliness? So Age UK um, helps to combat loneliness in several ways. Um, Age UK's telephone friendship service helps to tackle loneliness by matching an older person with a volunteer befriender. Hmm. Um, and that's for a regular weekly 30-minute chat. So they call yep. every week and have a chat with them. And that's a really important way. You know, It really benefits the volunteers who gives us a lot of positive feedback hmm. and we get a lot of positive feedback from those all the people who are supported you know some of them say to us it's their only phone call during the week so they really look forward to it yeah they have they really enjoy talking to them um but we also have a aguk advice line hmm. which provides information and advice to older people in the family um on a whole host of things it's really important because we know loneliness um can happen for a number of reasons and so getting more money to people, helping them with poor health can all benefit and help with low, combating loneliness. Um, and also we have our local educators who hmm. provide a variety of services. Um, so it could be telephone and face-to-face befriending, they could be group exercises, and all host of other types of you know, services that help foster relationships, which is so important in trying to help people deal with loneliness. Yeah. 
And you know, how can loneliness affect the lives of older people? So, so loneliness, when you think about loneliness, um, we think about loneliness as being the feeling experience when people are not able to have those kind of meaningful relationships and connections that they want. Hmm. Um, and for many, for many, many of us, we always feel at some point in our lives, but for, for many older people, that persists and that really undermines their kind of well-being and quality of life. Um, and for older people, they are particular risk because some of the factors that are more, you know, that are likely to make you more lonely um, are more likely as you age, hmm. and they reduce the opportunity and ability to engage. So things like, you know, as you get older, you're more likely to face bereavement. You're more likely to live with disability, poor health. That means you can't really get out and about. Hmm. You may have caring responsibilities. Um, you may not have money um, that reduces your opportunity to participate, which is very pertinent given the cost of living crisis right now. Hmm. Um, and all these things can make you feel lonely, which can, you, can make you feel empty. It can make you not want to do things. It can make you not want to get up, um, which then makes it even harder to have those meaningful connections and create the kind of circle which makes your know, feelings of loneliness even worse. Hmm. And winter, as we kind of approach winter, winter in particular can be one of the toughest and most challenging time for years for older people. Yeah. You know, a lot of the services that they rely on um, get scaled back during the holiday period. Hmm. It's colder, it's darker, the weather makes it really hard to get out and about. Yeah. And it can make feel lonelier than usual for lots of older people. Hmm. And we did some research a couple of years ago and we talked to black and South Ocean people across England. Yeah. Um, and what we found is, so this was in December 2000, what we found was over half of those people we talked to, the so black and South Asian people we talked to, hmm. felt lonely during the holiday period. And almost half were on their own. Yeah. They so can have a really challenging impact on these older people. Hmm. Definitely, definitely. And um, what kind of impact can it have on their well-being, would you say? So it can have a significant impact on, on their kind of health and mm. well-being. Um, we know that if people have feelings of loneliness that persist and, and stay with them for a very long period of time, that these things are associated with poorer physical health. Mm. Um, so some of the things I talked about, people might not be able to get out and about, might be less active, and you know that deteriorates their health. Um, but it's also associated with um, impact on the mental health. Um, yeah. People may feel more depressed. Um, they may have sleep problems. Um, and we've also seen studies that show lonely older people are about 25% more likely to go on to develop dementia. Hmm. So it can really have an impact in the immediate term, but also as they get even older. Hmm, definitely. What, and what, what can our listeners do to support someone who's feeling lonely or, you know, if they're going through through it themselves? So there's a number of different things that um, your listeners can do. Um, there's some simple things, just like you know, checking regularly with older relatives, friends, and neighbours, just to see how they're coping. Is there anything that they need? Uh, you know, this could just be like popping into the house, or it could just be a video or phone call. Mm. Um, you know, you could just invite them for a cup of tea, a biscuit, a chat, something simple like that. Um, or you could, you know, offer to provide them some assistance. You know, maybe pick up some shopping for them, run some errands. Maybe accompanying them to a local event. Yeah, these are really small things, but they can make a huge difference to those that are struggling or unable to get out and about. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, you know, um, if, other things that your listeners could do is they could think about volunteering. Um, so they could um, contact their local HUK and see if there's any volunteering opportunities, or they could have a look on the HUK website and consider volunteering for our telephone friendship service. Um, you know, we, we expect over the next few months to get a huge increase in demand for that service and mm. we already require more volunteers so that's a great opportunity 
And the final thing that um, your listeners could do is if they're able to and they want to, they could think about um, donating to AGK um, to help continue our work to support older people, uh, including the 1.2 million older people who are often lonely across the UK. Hmm, definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and shedding light upon this topic. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'd love to have you again on another time. Uh, for now, take care, have a good morning, and thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that was uh, Vinal Karayana, a research manager at HUK, and you know he shared some uh, really interesting knowledge uh, upon this topic. And, um, mm. you know, I, I myself um, volunteered, used to volunteer at Old People's Home, Oh, right. Uh, during, um, you know, uh, my university days, in my ja- mm. when I was in uh, Jamia the UK, the, it's a, you know, a university of our community where you study for seven years. It's like, uh, you know, Hogwarts and then... Hogwarts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like se- seven <laughs> years you stay um, over there uh, and um, you complete your, essentially a master's in uh, religious studies mm. and theology. And over there, I used to, you know, volunteer at old people's home as well. And, you know, th- what they really... Um, longed for was human companion companionship just someone to sit there and just talk with them right or just to just just even sit with them and they would just get really happy and you know we used to speak to them and uh, this was a touchy subject as well like the the nurses over there told us as well Mm. don't mention their family to them because they don't come and visit them Mm. and Mm. it's it is very sad and you know they used to they used to like talk about their grandchildren and they used to talk so much about their family mm. um but you know essentially their family put them in the old people's home and just just left them there and they barely they, they'll come visit them like once a month once every two months or something like that and they they longed for this uh, you know human companionship especially with one's own family mm. that's why islam is such a beautiful religion it teaches you uh properly how to you know the the rights of everyone the rights of your family, what rights you have to your family, and you should always, you know, you should take care of your parents. That's your responsibility. And the, their own children weren't taking care of their parents, right? Yes, yeah, so sometimes you see that that's, uh, you know, that's that's tip, that, you know, that's that's what the norm is. Hmm. Sadly, what the norm is. So, I mean, sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's uh, you know looked down upon. Sometimes hmm. it could be, you know, the the only option for them as well. Um, for you know, for the kids to actually put their parents into the care homes as well. Yeah. Sometimes they, it's it, it's not uh, it's not you know they they, they can't hmm. they can't take care of their of their parents because they have nowhere to keep them. They don't have sometimes it might happen that they don't have a spare room. Hmm. They don't have any you know a, a any particular place. They don't even yeah. have that much income. Maybe they're struggling themselves to provide for their parents as well hmm. maybe maybe a burden i mean i should i don't want to say this but it can be a burden for them hmm. uh but you know taking care of your parents shouldn't be a burden anyway yeah. but if you look at it financially it can be quite stressful quite quite difficult as well hmm. um especially when it comes to when it comes to you know if your parents are getting uh old and it's difficult to actually you know take care of them hmm. in, in a physical sense as well you know making sure that they're eating yeah, no, I, I understand, but I mean, f- that kind of stuff financially in this country as well, as well as other countries, you know, they do mm. give benefits as well. Yeah. So financially, I don't think it's that much of an issue, but it could be that maybe if you have, you know, kids and you have your wife. You have and, your own family yeah, as well. Yeah, you have your own family as well. But even then, especially in our, you know, like... Uh, South Asian communities very looked down upon mm. To, mm. to do this. To do this, this as well, yeah. This it's practice looked down upon. Is, this it's practice down is upon. not... It's not the norm for us. Uh, it's not in the norm for us. But yeah. yeah. 
it, it is it is it's, it is difficult yeah but sometimes you see that you know they, we're they, not, we're not they saying, have we're to. saying like you know it's great to have you know these service homes and these old people's homes that they do look after them mm. it's it's great for those people who are not able to you know it's a service for them it's a service essentially for them, yeah. it's like um you know even in our office where we at the International Talim Quran Academy where we teach the Holy Quran online. Mm. It is essentially for those people who do not have access or uh, live far away, they cannot, you know, go to a teacher in person, mm. essentially, then they can come online. So that service is available for them. Mm. But obviously, if someone can go and learn in person, it will be a better experience. Yeah. They will learn, you know, quicker, they will learn better because the teacher will be there in person physically teaching them. So both services are available. They're good options, definitely. But... Um, you know, you have to look at your circumstances as well. Exactly, exactly. And also, you know, if, you know, when, say, say a couple, right, gets uh, gets old. Yeah. And uh, one of them, one of them passes away. Hmm. That is a time where it's really, really difficult for the other person, for the other person to actually live their life, isn't it? Because yeah. essentially they've lived their whole life, virtually their whole life with their partner. But yeah. then, you know, they, they're in their care homes, they're living on their own anyway. And then suddenly one of them passes away. That can be really challenging as well. And then that is where, you know, that that person, whether, mm. it's, uh, whether, it's, whether it's the husband or the wife, they need, they need their children. They, they, you know, they, they need someone to actually be with. They can't just, um, they can't just be living in the care homes for for you know weeks upon weeks mm. and then months upon months and then not even you know have have a, even a phone call no. from their from their you know from their relatives from their children uh, as well so you know it, it is it is something which is uh, you know which definitely does need to be looked into as well mm. so so the 1.1 million fund that is uh, you know being um, put forward for the study is uh, not only for you know um, old people uh, but the main focus of the study is, um, excuse me, is uh, people mm. from ethnic minorities, people with disabilities, and people mm. who belong to LGBTQ plus community, as about five million or fifteen percent of the UK, UK's thirty three million over forties identify as ethnic minority, mm. LGBTQ plus, or living with a disability. And, you know, due to being part of a certain stigmatized uh, minority groups, people may find it harder to connect with communities or feel part of a society. The study aims to understand and tackle the problem. You know, I completely understand Yeah. that um, this yeah. study is being put forward. It's a difficult and, one, and, though, isn't and, it? And uh, yeah. why it's necessary, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's 1.1 million pounds is being forward put forward for a study. Hmm. Whereas wow. if this was, you know, uh, I, I guess it, it, it would be like it would be like peanuts. I understand mm. 1.1 million in terms of this isn't a lot. Mm. But even then, if it was put towards like, uh, you know, a fund for this, for these, uh, you know, ethnic minorities. Yeah. And, you know, raised a little bit, I think that would do much better justice than, you know, putting it towards a study. But, you know, the study will help us better understand. The study will help us yeah, better research, understand. Research but, is definitely, you know, But then also, well, once the study is done, <clears throat> when it's conducted, then what's going to be done? If mm. it's, you know, are they going to be provided any, you know, you know, any funds? Are they going to get any socials? Or are, they, are they going to get anything so that they, so that they you know, they, they can actually not be not be lonely? I mean, that's essentially what, what, what we're talking about, is it? Yeah. So you know, th th three-year-long study, which started around the end of September, 
this year. So the first group, they'll look at uh, people growing old in a foreign land, uh, centers on people who, who came from the Caribbean and Indian subcontinent between 1950s <coughs> and 1975. And these people often came to work and never intended to grow old in the UK. And, uh, but, you know, they, they did. They, they mm. worked long hours, hard hours, and uh, they, they grew old here. Now, the second yeah. group of people who were born with physical and mental, you know, mental health disabilities who now live, uh, who now live longer, and people with, uh, you know, other, you know, Down syndrome and other illnesses as well can now expect to live on as well. And the average, you know, their average life is, you know, that they live up to their 60s. Um, and there's other groups of people which, you know, which this research is actually doing research upon as well. And the research uh, taking part in this study will, will follow <coughs> through the major and perhaps life-changing events hmm. of some over 40s. For example, marriage, divorce, having children, you know, losing loved ones as well, as, you know, as I mentioned before as well. And the results will help um, design better, um, more tailored services that promote healthier, hmm. active uh, aging for people from all walks of life as well. So, I mean, it, it is good that they're doing this study. It will be better for them, better to, you know, to understand hmm. um, all of these different things as well. But then, like you mentioned as well, it's a valid point that if 1.1 million is being used for the study, hmm. then what about, you know, what's going to be used for, you know, actually on them? Hmm. The study, yeah, fine, that's for them. But physically, actively, what's for them? What's going to be beneficial for them as well? So in terms of uh, what Islam says, that uh, Allah, is, Allah the Almighty has commanded in the Holy Quran, worship none but him and show kindness to parents. If one of them or both of them attain old age with thee, never say unto uh, them any word expressive of disgust nor reproach them but always address them with excellent speech and lower to them the wing of humility and tenderness and say my lord have mercy on them even as they nourished me when i was a little child hmm. i mean this is a prayer isn't it that, yeah. that we're told at a very young age as well to pray, to pray mm. for to pray for our parents uh to look after them as well you know there's a saying of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him that uh, very unfortunate is that person hmm. and he gave the example of of a person whose whose parents have reached old age hmm. and he hasn't uh, treated them nicely he hasn't been good to them and he doesn't take care of them and for this reason his ill treatment towards his parents hmm. his neglection towards his his uh, his old parents he didn't attain paradise yeah so you know this is a way for for all of us to actually open our eyes, mm. serve our parents as well, because they, they served us when we, you know when we were young, when we were very little, mm. and also with this we can we can attain paradise as well. We can attain the pleasure of God as well. So yeah. there's God's pleasure in taking care of our parents. Definitely, it shouldn't be if somebody thinks that this is you know this is a burden, this is something which is quite difficult for them. Mm. They perhaps need to change their perspective and yeah. the way they you know the, the way they think about them when they. Um, go about this as well. Hmm. Taking care of your parents, it should be, it should actually be an honor for you know for all of us. Um, I mean, let's face it, right? When when you know when a young couple hmm. right have have children, it is it is quite difficult. It is difficult to have to have children, taking care of them, taking care of their needs, taking care of their every single little thing, you know, clothing them, feeding them, 
even taking them to the toilet and very, you know, small, small things. But, you know, the kids, they don't know how to do that themselves. Yeah. And then slowly, slowly they grow, they get older, they, they can do all of these things that themselves. And then it comes an age where, it, it, you know, it's the, it's the opposite, where, where mm. the parents, it's difficult for them to for them to eat, for them to cook food or for them to, you know, close themselves or go to the toilet and go even, you know, sit down on their own or even walk on their own. Yeah. So you, that's when... That's when it's the it's their kids, it's their children's responsibility to actually to 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 uh, you know to give back. Hmm. To give and, back. Exactly. And uh, in 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 Islam, you know, it, uh, Islam teaches us that um, there are two you know fundamental things as a Muslim that hmm. one has to take care of, and exactly. that is hukukullah and hukukulibad. So the rights of uh, Allah the Almighty and the rights of uh, you know His servants, hmm. His people. Uh, the latter being, you know, the the, the more important one that Hukukulibad taking care of, uh, <coughs> taking care of his uh, people. So these rights, you know, to look after one's fellow neighbors, one's fellow, one's uh, parents, one's family, one's siblings, one's um, you know people around them, their friends. These rights are, you know, uh, they've been prescribed by Islam that you, they they are your rights and they are their rights as well that you must look after them. That's why Islam is such a comprehensive and a beautiful religion, and it teaches us these, um, you know, these these teachings that mm. you know one should always uh, <clears throat> strive in the way of Allah and uh, strive in the way of God Almighty, and look after His people as well. Exactly. exactly. And uh, it, the the Islamic perspective on treatment towards all mankind is a verse of the Holy Quran, which comprehensively covers this concept of service to humanity which is you are the best of people ever raised for the good of mankind because you have been raised to serve others. You enjoin what is good and forbid evil and believe in Allah. So I'm delighted to say that we do have our second guest of the morning for this topic online with us, Robin Hewing from Campaign to End Loneliness. Uh, Robin Hewings leads the work of the campaign to end loneliness. The campaign works to improve the evidence about loneliness, develop the community uh, of organisations and make the case for action of the issue. Good morning, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yes, to begin with, uh, could you tell us what is the campaign to end loneliness and what it aims to do? Um, So... It's very much what you said in your introduction, really. So we were founded uh, 10 or 12 years ago yeah. uh, because there were lots of organisations who were really interested in this issue, but they didn't have one place to kind of come together. And so that's why they created us to do those three things of building the evidence about, about based about loneliness, um, helping organisations to work together, and finally talking to um, all levels of society about mm. why this is a really serious issue and something that we can absolutely do practical things to to make progress on. Yeah. And why is loneliness something many of us can relate to? Well, I think that it is a universal human emotion. Mm. Um, there are lots of different causes, um, but that kind of sense that you don't have the connections in life that you need is um, something which can affect almost everyone. Hmm. Um, and it is a really, really, and a, a little bit of loneliness 
is not the end of the world. But what we really worry about is when loneliness becomes chronic, when it just becomes what someone's life feels like. Hmm. That is a really deeply uh, affecting emotion and it has a really big impact on people's lives um, and is something which absolutely needs really concerted action Definitely. to uh, prevent. Definitely. And what, what age groups would you say are most likely you know, to be affected by loneliness? So loneliness tends to be higher when we're younger and then it tends, and then tends to go lower and then there's a kind of another kind of peak hmm. when um when people not not when people are kind of as it were a healthy 65 year old is very hmm. unlikely to be lonely it's more that when people perhaps get into their 80s or 90s and become particularly frail um they might have they might be unwell they might have be be kind of losing their eyesight or their hearing hmm. um and the most important thing uh, is if they have been bereaved that is obviously something which can kind of affect people's loneliness uh, very seriously definitely mm. and what kind of effect does uh, you know type of environment have on our loneliness so this is something which we um, have just done a lot of work on and there is quite strong evidence now that mm. some places are lonelier than others yeah. and um and we think that um that's because some places it's kind of easier to have find social connections mm. um so for example and it's kind of people want a bit of well both both the kind of bumping into someone who you kind of vaguely know knowing who know, be able to say hello to your neighbors that kind of just low level friendliness mm. but also your environment can help you to build kind of deeper friendships and relationships uh, and but we need we need a mixture of both we need to feel that we live uh, in a friendly place mm. and when we don't feel accepted and particularly if we feel that we've been discriminated against yeah um, then that um, absolutely makes people feel lonely definitely thank you so much for joining us this morning uh, Robin it's been an absolute pleasure uh, for now take care have a good morning and bye bye for now thank you very much for having me on thank, thank you so you. much so that was, uh, you know, Robin Hughes from Campaign to End Loneliness doing great work out there mm. to, you know, tackle this problem. And as he, you know, rightly stated that, you know, young people might, um, you know, f uh, find themselves being more lonely. And then when you, you know, reach at the peak of your age near the end, then you will be more lonely as well. That's where it occurs. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we are drawing um, close to our news time. Uh, the news is looming. We'll be taking a very short break for the news and then, you know, we'll carry on discussing this segment and then we will go into our second segment as well, which is about what impact does the environment have on us and our creativity. So please don't go anywhere, dear listeners. Do join us after the news. And as always, you know, if you have any questions, any feedback, the number to call us on is 020-8687-7878 or you can tweet us at the Voice of Islam UK. And this is a live show, you know, so you, you can't call in at any time. You know, there's other shows that I hold as well. Mm. Um, the Drive Time Show, which is held 4 to 6 p.m. That's also a live show, so you can call in at that time as well for any questions. So please don't go anywhere. Do join us after a very short break of the news. Allah. 
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, welcome back to the Breakfast Show, dear listeners. So, we were discussing, you know, um, for our segment, of our first segment of the morning, we were discussing about that there's a 1.1 million minority report on loneliness and aging. So, mm. a fund of 1.1 million has been put forward to conduct a report on loneliness in ageing. Um, so we do have a brief audio clip in regards to this as well, so we will be listening to that one right now. We, we devise plans through which we uh, can help the poor and needy and fulfil the rights of orphans and provide aid and assist- assistance to the vulnerable and deprived members of society. With the grace of Allah to further such efforts, we have established an international charity, Humanity First. And from a community level, we hold various charity events across the world throughout the year. For example, in Africa, when we build mosques, apart from introducing the teachings of Islam to others, we strive to help the local people, irrespective of their ethnic or religious backgrounds. So you know that was uh, His Holiness, um, His Holiness speaking about uh, you know the rights of, uh, of of man, the rights of uh, rights of people. Um, mm. His Holiness, the head of the MD Muslim Worldwide Community, you know, he gave a brief overview about uh, serving humanity. Mm. And, uh, you know, everyone should, you know, keep that in mind, bear that in mind and, you know, just uh, follow uh, follow these words. And, um, yeah. And in regards to this, the Promised Messiah, the founder of the MD Muslim community has said that the main commandments of the Holy Quran are only two. The unity, the first one being the unity of God and love and obedience to the Almighty Creator who possesses the great attributes. And the second one, kindness towards one's brother, brothers and mankind. And the Prophet has also said, uh, peace be upon him, uh, be kind to all of humanity, no matter who they are. Mm. He said, never constrict the circle of your kindness. So, you know, that just beautifully wraps you know, up this, uh, you know, you know, a, this topic. Th- that, that, you mm. know, that just reminds me, I know we're coming towards the end of the, uh, the, the topic as well, the segment, but uh, recently His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim <coughs> community, the fifth caliph, of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Masul Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. Hmm. Um, you know, he's recently talking about the the companions and then the four rightly guided caliphs of the of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So at the moment, he's talking about the first caliph, uh, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him. Now, there was a, there was an incident which actually just reminds me of this as well. A couple of a uh, couple of Friday sermons ago, he mentioned this uh, incident. He said that they 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 used to be they used to be an old person, um, an old blind person who used to live in a cave, in you know a little bit distant place, as well to to the headquarters, and when the second caliph, Hazrat Umar Razitala Anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, when he became caliph, when he became the caliph, 
after the first caliph uh, passed away he asked one of his uh, one of his attendants one of his uh, um you know one of his servants that what was one of the routines what was the routines of the first caliph hmm. so he said that he used to go to this place and he used to go there every single day and uh, he doesn't know what he used to do there but he he just used to go there every single day and then you know he would come back hmm. so the the second caliph where well, he says that he so he heard this and then he said okay fine uh, let me do this as well let me go to this place and i'll see what what's there and then i'll i'll i'll, I'll do whatever the first caliph used to do hmm. continue his practice as well so when he went there uh, to that place he saw that there was a cave and then inside that cave <coughs> there was an old man a blind old man hmm. who was literally living on his own he was blind as i just mentioned and uh, you know he was quite frail and uh, he went to him and he you know he he asked him that uh, you know you know that uh, you know what's uh, you know how are you and he asked for his well-being as well hmm. so the what what actually used to happen was that the first caliph Hazrat Abu Bakr may Allah, may Allah be pleased with him he used to go to him visit that person <laughs> on a daily basis it was part of his daily routine to to go to him to visit him out of his busy schedule he used to visit him and he used to feed him as well so when when you know the when the second caliph actually heard about this he went there as i just mentioned and he he fed him as well but as soon as this happened that old man he said to the second caliph that has abu bakr may allah be pleased with him has he passed away and then he he was quite astonished he asked him how do you know or who told you you know there's no way that anyone told you how did you realize this or how who who told you so he said that Hazrat Abu Bakr the first caliph may Allah be pleased with him he used to visit me every single day and when i realized that there has been a few days in which no one has come to see mm. me i thought that this can never happen that he has not seen me yeah so it must have been that he has passed away and this is not the only thing the mm. other thing which he mentioned was that when uh you know when 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 uh when he used to feed me hmm. he used to you know you know make small morsels for me uh and he used to you know feed me and put the food into my into my mouth as well because hmm. i don't have any teeth and he used to make it so small for me so soft for me so it would be easy for me to actually swallow the food as well and so this is how he realized that this, the first caliph has passed away yeah and this just goes to show that you know taking care of our elders as well hmm. is very very much important imagine Definitely. how busy the caliphs are hmm. the first caliph the second caliph <clears throat> who you know who practices this as well hmm. they how busy they were the you know the daily schedules how how jam packed they are but still they found time to hmm. visit this old man who wasn't even living in the close proximity he was quite far away hmm. he was living in a cave he was blind it was quite difficult to actually treat him as well and they used to do this hmm. and this is goes to show that if they are treating and you know i'm going to say a stranger yeah. but someone who is not even related to them uh with such kindness and compassion hmm. um what about the rights that we have to our parents as well is, so this goes to show that this uh, this is a very this is an eye opener for all of us hmm. the caliphs used to do this as well it doesn't matter how busy they were <clears throat> So in our busy you know in our busy lifestyle we can mm. say that you know we you know we're so busy we don't get time to to visit our parents we mm. don't get time to even call our parents 
we don't even get time to to do this to do mm. that um and then maybe once a month we go and see them mm. uh, that's i think they, these are like flimsy excuses Definitely. what we need to do is we need to make time mm. uh, of our of our schedules um to actually visit our parents to, to take care of our parents ask them for their well-being as well because we don't know mm. uh, you know the difficulties that they that they are going through maybe they're getting so old mm. that that you know they might be even embarrassed to say that you know come and help us yeah so sometimes we need to look out there look out for them and we need to you know be proactive mm. rather than you know rather than being lazy rather than saying you know i am i'm busy with my own life you take care of your own life i'm going to take care of mine mm. so that's i don't think that's that's the right approach yeah. definitely and you know we need to when to be um, you know we need to really understand that you know the for like the last few years the um, his holiness the head of the md muslim community yeah um hazrat mirza masood ahmed uh, may Allah be pleased with him he's been delivering friday sermons on the topics of uh, different companions of the holy prophet peace mm. and blessings of allah be upon him yeah. and their lives and their conduct and <clears throat> what we really need to realize is that um, you know all of the companions before uh, majority of them right before islam came to them they were converts mm. right yeah. they were <clears throat> they were living in um uh zamana jahiliya mm. uh meaning you know the times of ignorance in, yeah, yeah times of ignorance right they didn't know like uh, they didn't have any of these practices mm. yet they converted to islam they were the first believers and uh, you know the the way they they had to let go of everything right yeah. they had all of these practices in their um, before them like drinking mm. gambling all of this all of these things yeah right and uh, there was no concept of you know halal or haram eating you know what is good what is wrong uh, there was no concept any of any of this mm. we are very lucky that we are you know majority of us are born as uh, ahmadis or born as amdi muslims mm. right exactly exactly and we count ourselves very lucky that from day one that we are taught that this is what our belief is hmm. this is what the right path is whereas they had to strive in the way of allah and their example the example they set for us is so high that you know hmm. if we can just follow in their footsteps we can also attain nearness to allah the almighty exactly exactly and that that is what uh, you know his holiness is also trying to allude towards as well and it's very important to you know to listen to these friday sermons and pay attention to them and um, you know listen to the accounts of the companions and uh, try and follow in their footsteps as well absolutely absolutely so with that you know we we can draw a conclusion to to this uh, segment as well and then mm. swiftly move on to the next segment which is about uh, how and what impact does the environment have on us and our creativity so since the since the earliest times humans have needed to be sensitive to their to their surroundings to survive mm. which means that we have an innate awareness hmm. of our environment and seek our uh, environment um, with with certain with certain qualities now our brains can be made more receptive to creativity by manipulating our environment you know different environments such as you know natural <coughs> living in a natural environment or urban hmm. sort of sort of a city environment or international um so all of these things can uh, can you know can influence our creativity in different uh, in different ways as well mm. um you know even sometimes when it comes to when it comes to the seasons as well seasons you know our, our, one of our guests spoke about this as well that during the winter mm. um 
people can get even more lonely as well, mm. especially old age people. Seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder as well. Sad, literally. Mm. It's mm. literally sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. Mm. How you know that can that can affect people's moods? How mm. that can affect people's um, you know you know uh, liveliness, or how people you know they they may get more depressed in that in that time as well when it comes to when it comes to winter times. Mm. <clears throat> now, there was an article uh, where a person's creativity and their environment can um, you know can actually be linked. And certain environments can lead to a greater yield of uh, of pro- uh, of uh, productivity. Hmm. Certain places allow for more creativity, and these include natural places, uh, urban places, and novel places as well. So, natural places. Uh, Wallace J. Uh, Nichols, who's the author of Blue Mind, told um, you know the Unmistakable Creative uh, podcast that one way to activate the uh, default mode network is to immerse yourself in water. Hmm. And this limits our sensory input visually, hmm. auditorily, and uh, somatically as well. And opens us uh, opens us up to a whole toolbox of uh, cognitive, emotional, uh, psychological, and social skills that are not always available to us hmm. as well. So that's uh, for natural places. The urban places, it was researchers from MIT, um, led by Wee Pan, found that cities with high social tie den- uh, density tended to have high levels of productivity and creativity mm. as well. And as measured by the GDP and the number of, uh, of uh, uh, patent awards also. Um, they also, as Pan told Bloomberg, Living mm. in a in a big city increases the number of people mm. in your uh, in a larger network as well. Obviously, you interact with different people, mm. more diverse people as well. And they said that these are the people who bring different ideas, mm. bring different opportunities, and uh, meeting with other mm. uh, other great people that may help you as well. Mm. So also novel places. Some people focus more on the novel uh, novelty. Um, of an experience more than the actual place itself. Mm. It's worth trying places that allow you to feel comfortable and perhaps entertained mm. uh, also. So, you know, it's, it is true that different mm. environments can have a different effect uh, on your, effect, creativity. Effect on your creativity, or your mindset as well. Uh, all of these, all of these mm. things are, are, are interlinked. And um, human beings, you know, they've uh, always been... <clears throat> human beings have always been sensitive to their environments due to this... Um, they look out for certain characteristics which may create for them a positive or negative image of the surrounding environment. And one of the first characteristics people will look for in an environment will be a sense of safety and security. This is usually followed by physical comfort, the need for an optimum temperature, etc. Another major characteristic that humans will um, you know, look out for in an environment is psychological comfort. For example, the familiarity of a place and also a place which offers stimulus to a sensible and manageable degree. These effects, you know, they're known by providers in retail and healthcare. Therefore, they work towards making environments pleasing, welcoming and comforting for their customers and patients. There are three attributes of an environment that are crucially important in both retail and healthcare environments. And these are, you know, comfort, safety and and entertainment. Providing these attributes by tailoring environments to them not only attracts more people but allows them to become familiar and more fond of such places. This can boost, you know, businesses, etc. You know, when you go into like shops, um, mm. you go into like JD or, you know, you go into Foot Locker, 
these type of shops or you know Primark they're playing you know different type of music yeah or you go into different um shopping centers different malls yeah uh it's it's like a different vibe right different vibe, they, yeah, different mood. They, yeah different mood and that yeah. that's that's how they essentially <laughs> suck you in right yeah and then you, you like you're going to the shop and the, you know there's like different lightings going on and mm. it affects your you know yeah, like so, sometimes yeah it's it's true because mm-hmm. sometimes when you when you go into a retail shop uh, yeah. a clothes shop and uh, and you, because the lighting is dim and mm. uh it's you know it's, a, it's got different lighting to to your natural lighting or mm. you're at home or whatever so you look at something you look at a pair of jeans or you look at a jumper or whatever you want to mm. buy and it looks really nice mm. but when you get home you're like this wasn't what I <laughs> this bought this wasn't what I bought <laughs> <laughs> because of the lighting isn't yeah, it definitely. especially when it comes to the lighting the mirrors yeah the, yeah the, the, the music yeah, yeah that that's it's it's so true it's mm. so true as well also you know when it comes to different restaurants mm. you know some 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 restaurants have a different vibe you know mm. nando's they have their own vibe yeah. uh you know they will play their sort of type mm. of music if you go to you know if you go to five guys or five whatever, whatever they'll have yeah. their own mcdonald's their McDonald's own, KFC, have their their own, own yeah. mood as well so it's it is you know it, it, these things do have an impact on you as well definitely and these you know the your environment the way that the theme mm. that is sort of set and uh, you know things that you can smell mm. the things that you can actually hear sometimes you know if you're hearing music or mm. instrumental music or whatever it may be um that can have an impact on you as well so you know some people you know they have to have white noise to sleep mm. especially kids mm. you know and uh, sometimes it's it's just it's just you don't need you don't need the fan to be on it's just yeah. it's just the noise that it makes it helps you definitely soothe and it helps you sleep as well so mm. that white noise is also sometimes <clears throat> quite essential for for people to actually for people to actually sleep mm. and people with insomnia definitely they also say that i mean obviously not everyone but mm. they, most of them say or a lot of them do say that with white noise they can they can get a proper night sleep mm. as well definitely so it, these things do have an impact um uh, on you know on all of us mm. and you're just speaking about this like you know and the environment affecting your creativity um so in terms of this you know how in the world cup they've mm. they've banned beer mm. and alcohol, alcohol at the stadiums yeah. right and it's not like you can't go out and <coughs> go to other places and have a drink you can mm. after the game but it's just that you know it uh, we spoke about this earlier as well that you know people are still uh, a lot of people are giving their interviews and they're still saying that we're enjoying ourselves it's just that you're not allowed alcohol yeah. and you don't need alcohol to have a good time a lot of people have said this as well hmm. and uh, you know if you can't survive with the alcohol for a few hours if you can't have a beer nothing's going to happen nothing's going to happen nothing's I mean, going to happen literally you, you just want to lose your senses a little bit and enjoy, just 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 have your senses there yeah. and you enjoy it even more Yeah, right. there's so many news um, mm. uh, papers and news outlets as well that are saying and reports that the women they they, they feel more comfortable mm. because they're not getting harassed. Yeah, and they they're feeling they're feeling more safe. Mm. And that's you know that's that is true as well. I mean, when there's so many hooligans, you know, like catcalling, there's nothing like that going literally. on. Yeah, you know, it's interesting <clears throat> that in 1985, mm. UK or Britain mm. banned uh, selling alcohol in uh, in in stadiums. Mm. Uh, just to prevent hu- hooliganism, hmm. so they they even they know even the yeah. West pe- even the West, they know that when people drink they turn into hooligans. Hmm. So you know how how hypocritical hmm. of them to actually say 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 this. Definitely. 
And, uh, you know, the, the listeners will be taking a very short break uh, before, you know, we come back and then we will be discussing the Islamic perspective of this. So please don't go anywhere and do join us after the very short break. Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. What is Dajjal? Prophecies about the appearance of the Dajjal in the latter days are mentioned in many Islamic traditions. Before Islam, some of the other prophets also mentioned Dajjal in their prophecies, and he is therefore known to the followers of these prophets too, but with different names. For example, in Christianity, he is known as the Antichrist, and some descriptions about him are mentioned in the Bible. In all these prophecies, Dajjal is always described as a very evil and deceitful being, whose main purpose is to spread darkness in the world, to prevent mankind from establishing a spiritual relationship with the creator of the universe. From the Holy Quran, and through the sayings of the Holy Prophet of Islam, وسلم, Muslims have learnt a lot about the Dajjal. This includes his description, the ways by which one can recognise him, and the methods of protecting oneself from Dajjal's deceit and mischief. Muslims are also informed about the means by which this Dajjal was to be defeated, where it was clearly indicated that Dajjal will be destroyed at the hands of the promised Messiah of the latter days. However, like all other prophecies, this information must be taken metaphorically and should not be expected to be fulfilled literally. Some people think that Dajjal is an individual person or a physical being, but it is understood from the sayings of the Holy Prophet that Dajjal is not a person but rather an assembly that will be the cause of creating corruption in the world. The Arabic word Dajjal is derived from the root Dal Jim Lam, which means to cover or to conceal. From this, it is understood that Dajjal is the one who falsely appears to be truthful and honest, while hiding the true disposition of wickedness and mischief. The word Dajjal implies two connotations. First, it signifies a group which supports falsehood and works with cunning and deceit. Second, it is a name that indicates Satan, who is the father of all falsehood and corruption. As Dajjal spreads evil and causes spiritual destruction in the world, he will obviously attack Islam and attempt to ruin its true teachings, but since the Islamic teachings are perfect and final teachings from God, so it was God's promise that he will always protect these teachings. Hence, as prophesied by the Holy Prophet God sent the Prince Messiah of the latter days to destroy Dajjal and demolish all Dajjal constructions. There is an account narrated about Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani, may Allah have mercy on him, that when he set out away from home for the purpose of his education, his noble mother sewed his share of 80 coins into the underarm of his shirt and advised him, Son, do not lie. When Syed Abdul Qadir departed, on the first day of his journey, he passed through a jungle that was inhabited by a large band of thieves and robbers. A party of robbers confronted and apprehended him. The robbers asked, What have you got in your possession? Syed Abdul Qadir thought to himself that he was being tested in the first stage of his journey. He reflected over his mother's advice and said, I have 80 coins which my noble mother has sewn into the underarm of my shirt. The robbers were extremely surprised on hearing this and said, what is this dervish saying? We have never seen such a righteous man. They took him and putting him before their chief related the entire story. When the chief questioned him, Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani gave the same response. Finally, 
when his shirt was torn at the place that he had described, it turned out that there were indeed 80 coins sewn into his shirt. All the robbers were astonished, and the chief asked why Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani had told them the truth. At this, Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani mentioned the advice that his mother had given him before he departed. He said, I have set out as a student of religion. If I had told a lie at the very first stage of my journey, what could I expect to attain? And so, I chose to stand by the truth. When Syed Abdul Qadir had said these words, the chief burst into tears, fell at his feet, and repented for his sins. It is said that this chief was the first follower of Syed Abdul Qadir Jilani. In short, truth is a thing that delivers a person in even the most trying and difficult of times. Saadi is true when he says, Never have I seen go astray the one who treads the right path. Therefore, the more a person adopts the truth and develops a love for the truth, the deeper a love and understanding they develop for the word of God and also for his prophets, because they are an example and source for all those who are truthful. This principle is also prevalent in the following instruction. Be with the truthful. We find anxiety and turmoil continue to spread and increase in the world. We find so much strife, restlessness and disorder. We find countries engaged in wars. Terrorist groups, political parties, major powers of the world, all consumed by their efforts to maintain or acquire supremacy and leave no stone unturned in their efforts towards pursuing their objectives. With all these hostilities engulfing the entire world, we also find a grand solution. We find a serene voice, a voice of reasoning and logic, travelling across the world, forewarning that if these actions continue, then most surely the entire planet will succumb to a detrimental end. With the rapid decline of international relationship, the chances of the entire globe once again engaged in war is increasing daily. This time, wars will be fought with such weaponry that will leave widespread devastating effects. If a person is shot by a bullet, then it is sometimes possible for him to survive through medical treatment. But if a nuclear war breaks out, then those who are in the firing line will have no such luck. The weapons available today are so destructive that they could lead to generation after generation of children being born with severe genetic or physical defects. Thus, if the major powers do not act with justice and do not eliminate the frustrations of smaller nations and do not adopt great and wise policies, then the situation will spiral out of all control and the destruction that will follow is beyond our comprehension and imagination. Even the majority of the world who does desire peace will also become engulfed by this devastation. This is the dreadful reality. By adopting aggressive policies and utilizing force, the world will be compelled to think of radical solutions, the most radicalized being war. Recently, a very senior Russian military commander issued a serious warning about the potential risks, risk of a, a nuclear war. 
It was his view that such a war would not be fought in Asia or elsewhere, but would be fought on Europe's border, and that the threat might originate and ignite from Eastern European countries. Though some people will say that this was simply his personal opinion, I myself do not believe his views to be improbable. But in addition, I also believe that if such a war breaks out, then it is highly likely that Asian countries will also become involved. Have these words of the Khalifa not been proven to be true to the letter? The crisis between Russia and Ukraine have brought back memories of the Cold War, with nearly a hundred member states of the United Nations failing to recognize the control of Crimea by the Russian Federation, is that not a repeat of the past? When the Arab Spring first came to pass, many people in the world considered it to be a great means for the Arab world to come out of the Dark Ages and embrace modern times. The reality was quite the contrary. Is the world going towards this devastation? Hundreds of thousands of innocent lives have been lost, especially in the Middle East. How many more will it take for mankind to take note of the Khalifa's message? There is an urgent need to end all kinds of hatred and to lay the foundations of peace. This can only be done by respecting all kinds of sentiments of each other. If this is not done properly, honestly and with virtue, it will escalate into uncontrollable circumstances. So what is our responsibility? Most surely to listen to and spread the words of the Khalifa and put them into practice. Save the world from the pit of doom that it is so closely standing upon. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show, dear listeners. So we were discussing what impact does the environment have on us and our creativity. Hmm. And in regards to this, you know, we do have uh, another brief audio clip that would like to play for you. So let's listen to that one briefly. Now, Hazrat Muslimod has spoken in depth about the upbringing of children. Um, could you shine some light on this, please? Yes. Hazrat Muslimod was granted special knowledge from God Almighty and how to live a life according to the will of Allah Almighty. And as we said earlier, that the childhood plays a very it is a formative period where you actually prepare for the future, where you are supposed to become a servant of Allah Almighty. So that period should not be neglected in any way. So the Prophet Muslim gave an in-detail uh, explanation of how one as a parent can fulfill these basic needs of one's child. For instance, he expressed, he said that children are given the faculty of imitation. They imitate what they see and their elders. And I think all of us who are parents know this, that our children, they love to do whatever we do. They, sometimes they take your shoes and wear them and go around, go about. So whatever you do in front of the children, the mind of the child is actually recording it. And so in that sense, the example of the parents should be good from the very first day. Mm. Uh, so as a Muslim was stressed upon this factor. And then he also said, that when, as you're bringing up your child, you should learn it to do things at fixed hours. For instance, regarding the intake of food, if it is taught to do this on fixed hours, mm. 
it will help the child for developing self-control. Even if the child asks for things they like, candy or chocolate, you should give it at specific times so that they learn that we cannot give every, we cannot get everything at our own will. Rather, there are fixed times for everything. And also, as a Muslim would explain, that we should teach our children to perform simple tasks, uh, removing things, putting things in a certain place, mm. etc., as that would develop their their self confidence and they would be able to perform tasks on greater tasks in the future. Also, the inquisitive mind of the child likes to hear stories and these stories if parents used to tell their children stories should have high moral values uh, which are inculcated through these stories for instance stories of bravery as to in, uh, create this habit or this quality within their children mm -hmm. so parents can do a lot to affect children positively in this formative period and I think it is very important in our day and age where we spend more, less and less time. Some children are left at nurseries for great period of the day. And, but still, the, the, the amount of time we have with our children during the day, it should be spent productively. So, you know, that was uh, um, just a brief audio clip of going over the teachings of uh, um, Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with them, the promised reformer, the um, you know the second caliph of the MDA Muslim community, on uh, how to you know how to treat our children and how their time should be spent because you know uh, as we're talking about how environment um, different environments can affect our creativity. So in, in regards to this, um, His Holiness. Um, the current head of the MDA Muslim Worldwide Community, his helper, stated in a Friday sermon, it should be remembered that flaws and shortcomings develop due to the influence of the environment. Just as seed cannot germinate without soil, and even if it did, would wither away very soon, shortcomings and virtues which are born of flaws and good qualities are influenced by environment making environmental factors a necessary element. Our environment definitely affects us. Parents may impart their own values to their children, but environment also affects, and children spend a large part of their day at school and at home too. Friends can be made through other means who can have a negative impact on children and adults alike. And environments are also of two types. One kind only affects individuals and does not influence everyone in a community. For example, lands in a specific area are specifically good for growing certain crops. Like there are areas in Pakistan where fragrant basmati rice is grown and which cannot be replicated elsewhere. Virtue or evil also develop due to specific situations or on communal level and result in rise or fall of nations. Mm. Individuals can improve and progress through effort, but an individual's effort cannot impact communal good or evil. An individual is only an element of a community and a communal shortcoming cannot be rectified by reformation of just one element. Mm. So you have to, you know, look at all the different environmental factors, what is going on, you know, around the surroundings and it's, it's very important. Environment has a very big and major effect on our, not just on our creativity, but, you know, it can have a big effect on the upbringing of a child as well. Mm. On, uh, generally, just uh, everything. 
And you know, with this, uh, with this quote of uh, you know of His Holiness as well, mm. it's important that it's important that nations also have good relations with one another as well. Definitely. Uh, you know, if if one nation ha- can grow one thing, such as the example which His Holiness gave, that in Pakistan, in areas in Pakistan, mm. they can grow fragrant um, fragrant basmati rice. Yeah. And uh, you know it's difficult. You can't grow that anywhere else. It's difficult mm. to grow that anywhere else. It won't be the same. Mm. So obviously they have to you know export that to other countries, other nations as well. So it's important that whatever goods one country has, such as you know these African countries, Southern American countries, which grow, which grow, which grow coffee, coffee mm. beans. Mm-hmm. So if they you know if they are exporting their goods as well, it should it should be done fairly. It should be done justly. Fair trade is very, very, very much important, but also hmm. uh, workers' rights is also important as well. But also, na- nations need to have good, good understanding, a mutual understanding with with one another as well. Not just that the bigger nations, the more um, hmm. you know, the powerful nations taking control of the of the of the you know the developing countries hmm. and taking their taking advantage of their good deeds as well. Definitely. You know, of their of their labor and not hmm. paying them not hmm. paying them enough. So all these things need to be. You know, definitely looked into, but also mm. while well, you mentioned that everything has its own, um, you know, the environment ha- does have an, does have an effect on uh, on vegetation as mm. also depending on uh, you know mangoes for example mangoes you can you can, you can only grow them in a hot place mm. such as Pakistan, mm. India, Africa. African countries mm. exactly, mm. but you can't grow them here yeah. because you know it's not going to be the same. Mm. Same as you know other other fruits and vegetables mm. as well. Some things that you can get over here, you can't get any uh, elsewhere. Mm. Things you can get elsewhere, you can't get over here as well. So, it's important that nations also take uh, take use of uh, you know take take use of one mm. another, but in a fair way, in a just way. Definitely. Um, not just you know not just uh, you know demanding mm. and not you know giving back, reciprocating mm. that, that as well. And you know, Hazur further goes on to say, uh, His Holiness further goes on to say that the Holy Quran has been revealed in words and phraseology which promotes deliberation, which in turn results in unfolding of knowledge. Mm. If this was not so, the Holy Quran would have been clear to understand for all without any reflection. Right. The divine will behind this was not to let the human mind become redundant and stunned. Exactly. So you know you need to ponder on the words of the Holy Quran properly to under- truly understand its meaning. And you know, there's a as as time goes on, there's different you know the Farsi different um, you know commentaries that mm. are still being done. So dear listeners, we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far, uh, and uh, you know we have uh, come to a conclusion of today's show. And uh, you know we just like to thank the producers and you know the tech technical department and the researchers. And, um, you know, just for now, have a good morning and take care.